everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> well, we're going to go over that in this episode. I'm Joanna and I am with my lovely co-host, Danny. And today um, on Tell Us What's in the Box, we are going to be talking about the 2022 video game by developers LKA. Martha is dead. Uh, It is a dark first person psychological thriller set in 1944 Italy uh, that blurs the lines between reality, superstition, and the tragedy of war. So if you couldn't guess 1944 Italy plus the tragedy of war, yes, takes place uh, during the very tail end of World War II um, in a small little countryside very picturesque uh italiano community uh i think the family that lives there they you know own some farmland and you know a vineyard and things and things like that um but the father is a a nazi officer because you know germany italy Axis powers. Yeah. All that good stuff. So, but there's your little history lesson. (laughs) Um, I'm just gonna summarize the actual game a bit. So in Martha is dead, you play the character of Julia and you essentially discover that your twin sister Martha has drowned in the lake near your house um and then when your parents kind of run out to see what happened and your mother starts calling you martha you just take on martha's personality and then you become martha and julia is now dead and everybody thinks that she is dead um and from there uh stuff about your relationship with your sister and to your parents and your uh, very abusive mother, especially in childhood, which we will get into a little bit later. Um, Yeah, you start unraveling uh, some mysteries about your family and about yourself. And there's a lot of stuff that makes you question, like as you're playing Julia, is this really true? Are you really Julia? Where are you? Are you hallucinating? You know, is this all a dream? Do you even have a twin sister? You know, um, and there's a lot of different theories about what the end means. Um, so from there, you know, Danny, you want to dig into the relationships a little bit more? Do you have any place of where you would like to start? And um, feel free to, if you want to bash the game too, I'm like cool with it because I have my own issues with it. We won't bash it, but like, I uh, got some things with mental health and all yeah, of that stuff and I how mean, things are portrayed yeah <clears throat> I mean it's really um you know what what goes on in your head when traumatic stuff happens you know like how does that how does that affect you you know like how do you how do you handle it and you know a lot of it is you know you're talking about mental illness in in a lot of ways because that's what's happening you know, it's trauma and it's mental illness. And how do we, how do we deal with it and how mental illness can feel even, even if something real, real quote unquote, it feels real, you know, it mm-hmm. feels like you're there. It feels like, 
it feels like you're right there, like dealing with it. Even yeah. if, even if you're not, even if it's in your mind, it feels real. You know, it feels it feels really intense and it feels really uh, big. Mm-hmm. And it's about how that works and how you can become confused about what's real, what's not. And your identity gets all messed up with mental illness. I mean, because a lot of times, just in general, when you have mental illness, um, if you're not careful, it kind of becomes your whole identity. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not a person, you're a depressed person, or you're an anxious person. And it's hard to separate yourself from the trauma and the mental illness. You know, it's yeah. hard, it takes over and it's hard to to, to not let it be just a part of you, but, but you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, cause you can't get rid of mental illness. You can, you can cope with it. You can, you know, or trauma, you know, you can cope with it, you can deal with it, but it doesn't really go away. Yeah. You know, and, and you have to make sure that while it is a part of your experience, you, um, you don't let it become like the entire thing. You don't, you don't, you don't let it drown you in yeah. other words. Yeah. Something that was extremely hard to do in 1944, right? Cause our, our whole, um, understanding of mental illness was still, I mean, in some ways I, I would say it's like today, like elementary level, I think, Back then, there was still a lot of assumption of why some people weren't conforming to established societal norms, right? So that is what is happening to Martha and Julia in this case. Um, There's a lot of speculation as to whether or not like Martha and Julia are two separate people, if they are twin sisters. Um, and from what we get from the beginning of the game, what Julia tells us about why she's assuming the identity of, of Martha is that, um, her mother always loved Martha better. So why not pretend to be Martha when she's getting all the love and affection from, from her mother. Right. You know, and mean, meanwhile, her, her dad very much is mourning the loss of, of um, who he believes to be Julia, his, you know, deceased daughter. Um, And there is a scene early on in the beginning where, the father chastises, you know, the mother for caring too much about Martha when like, Hey, you have this other daughter here, Julia, Julia, or sorry, uh, I keep getting them mixed up. So like when she's worried about doing everything for Julia's like, um, funeral and viewing and things and things like that. Um, no, I'm getting it mixed up again. The mother was worried about Martha who she, or who she didn't know was actually Julia. (laughs) And then the dad was trying to remind the mother, like, hey, our child here, yeah, Julia, who is actually Martha, you know, is dead. We should probably, you know, like focus on her and uh, everything else. So the beginning of, of the game really played up that kind of um, clear delineation in, in Julia's mind that Martha was always the favorite. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, you can even, you, you, you get bits and pieces of that throughout, um, the rest of the game, but you know, it's, I, I would say roughly about maybe two hours into it. It's about a four, four hour game. Um, about halfway through a lot of cracks in, uh, Julia's reality pretending to be Martha start to show and kind of start to not, not make sense. Um, but yeah, do, do you want to, I don't know, jump straight into the relationship of daughter to mother and kind of, there was an interesting little puppet show towards the uh, end of the game where mm. this is where a lot of those theories come from about like, oh, split personality uh, did um, or dis disassociative identity disorder, which I think we have talked about before on this podcast with another thing. Oh, with, um, it was, it was our very first movie that we watched for a mother's day special. Why am I, was it Sybil? Sybil. Yes. That was the last time. Like we, did any sort of horror content that talked about did, um, which basically Martha is dead delves into the same topic too. So yeah, I mean, what are anything that I just talked about? I didn't have a specific question in mind, but anything you want to respond to? (laughs) It's sort of like you have to, um, it's almost like Julia is like trying to communicate with herself mm-hmm. almost like slowly revealing the truth of what happened like piece by piece yeah in a way she can sort of like handle you know yeah like at first finding out like um you know, uh, finding the the trinket box and all that stuff. And then eventually, um, you know, suspecting the mom and then finding more about, uh, you know, that Martha was pregnant and yeah. like, you know, just slowly kind of, you know, which, which is stuff I think she probably knew deep down most of the time, but eventually you have to dig down to what really happened that night. Or that, yeah. you know, or that when, when Martha died and Julia realizing that it was herself and having to like use a puppet show almost to kind of distance herself from what she did to her mom too. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, you know, she, she couldn't like outright come and say it. So she's got to use something else to try to like actually get it out you know? Yeah. One making sense at all. No, 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 for sure. To, to kind of um, piggyback off that too. If we look at like most of the times when we're in the whole puppet show, right. It's Martha. Martha is the one that like gets beaten by Mm -hmm. the mother. First we see that in scenes and then magically Julia appears so mm-hmm. that is kind of what tipped me off to the whole disassociative identity disorder and that Julia's, the personality of Julia was born from trauma 
And when Martha is going through something dramatic, um, Julia's personality was born out of all of that trauma, right? And throughout the game, like, I think once I went back and thought about it, it totally made sense because whenever all the traumatic stuff happens or all the traumatic like memories that Julia brings up, it's always Julia that experienced those things, right? So it makes sense why she would believe that Martha was the favorite child. You know, why did mom always pick on Julia? And, um, it kind of also reminded me a little bit of, um, those Malkavian sisters in Vampire the Masquerade, Blood Bloodlines, Jeanette, and um, what's her face? Help me, Danny. <laughs> uh, Jeanette and Therese. Jeanette and Therese. Yeah. Yes. Jeanette, yeah, and Blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, they split personalities, but you know. Um, so this other examples of multiple personalities or split personalities like the um united states uh, the united states of terra um mm-hmm. you know so it's it's kind of obvious the the concept of did why it would be an attractive like mechanism as a vehicle to like tell a horror story um and I mean, I, I don't know if it worked in this case. I think me getting distracted by like the Zoom meeting ending made me lose my train of thought because I don't even remember what I was originally going to say <laughs> or where I was originally going. Yeah, it um, makes sense. And, and that's kind of what I mean by like revealing, you know, mm-hmm. slowly over time because that's like a lot to unpack. So at first you're thinking it's, this separate person and you're slowly revealing the truth like in your own mind mm-hmm. you know yeah it, it's 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 hard and and dissociative identity disorder has never really been portrayed well yeah. in media and it, it's often like this where it's hugely traumatized they do bad things yeah you know and that's not what that is you know yeah like, and it oh they did it in that movie with um edward norton too oh fight club fight club and then there was another one where he was in jail and going through trial and pretended he had a split personality to get out of Oh, um, but he really wasn't. He was just pretending the whole yeah. time. I think it had who did it have in it? Richard Gear. Anyway, I mean, yeah. it's not that. My point is, it's not the first time that they've mm. kind of done that with multiple personality disorder, DID, dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know as if this adds anything to it. You know, in terms of portraying it that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it does. 
and even yeah. for mental illness as, as a whole, um, this, this reminded me of another video game that I think came out in 2016. Um, and I actually reviewed it way, way back when, um, but it was called, um, the town of light. Um, and it took place in, uh, the same time period as Martha is dead, um, and it took place at an asylum, right? So that, you know, um, like when we get to the end of Martha is dead, how yeah. um, Julia tells us that, um, you know, she had been in an asylum for, for a while, you know, and it's, it's very hard to place, you know, in her memory or in her experiences, like when that actually happened. So you can interpret it like, oh, she is in the asylum and she's just imagining all of this. Right. Uh, which I don't necessarily think, think is true. Um, you know, uh, but it, it, Martha is dead reminded me a lot of the town of light and the town of light was all about, oh my God, no wonder why it's the same. It's by the same developer. <gasps> Oh, LKA. Okay. This makes sense. Holy crap. So yes, um, they are very similar. L I, I don't know offhand how many games that LKA has made, but this is two, two games where they tackle mental illness in Italy, um, during the same time period. And Mm -hmm. I didn't think that, the town of light portrayed mental illness, um, very well anyways. Um, it, again, you're playing as a young woman named Renee. Um, just like in Martha's dead, you're playing as, as a young, a young woman, both have, uh, mental ill, illness. Um, it's less clear as to what Renee's issue is in the the town of light, but there is mention of schizophrenia and there is the whole same kind of, um, uh, messing with your memories, what's real and what's not kind of plot plot device again. Um, Renee also was abused in, in the past as well. So, a lot of the same aspects. Um, but yet just like Martha is dead, the town, the town of light didn't, um, do anything necessarily to add to the conversation of like what it is to live with a mental illness, being an, being an individual and your relationship with mental illness. And going back to what you just, what you said a, a bit ago, you know, not letting that define you. And I feel like in the case of both of these games, um, yeah, it was, it was like, it was like the thing with, with that, you know, like it was the crux of the, and and when you make mental illness, the crux of the plot. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't, no one can see my face, but I'm making a face. Yeah. You know, it's like when you make mental illness, like the turning point of the plot or like the thing that's supposed to like shock you or the twist or the reason why everything is happening. Yeah. It's not a good look. No. And that definitely Martha is dead. Like, you know, the scene 
after she pulls Martha's body out of the water and then she's like losing it and then she cuts her sister's face off and then wears it. My first reaction was hysterical laughter because I'm like, she, it's still the same face. She's wearing her face on her face. And then I'm like, they're twins. Why does she need to do that? And I just, then I just started imagining like Julia showing leather face and leather face just being really fucking confused. Um, so I was like, I don't think that was the reaction the developers intended. Um, but then as I thought about it later, I'm like, that makes no sense. At least in my mind, if you're creating a character with DID, you know, like I, I don't see, unless there's something else going on, I don't see like that it would logically make sense for Julia, like seeing through Julia's mind to cut her face off like that, mm-hmm. you know, for like, it's a sister that she loves dearly, but then we discover like, okay, that was just a hallucination when we see um, Martha's b- body in the open casket in the um, living room area. And she's, yeah. she's always there. So it's like, okay, you just imagine that that was a really like gruesome thing to do. Um, but I think also why it made me laugh so hard was because remember when we played Massachusetts and you had to be <laughs> a serial killer and you cut off the kid's limbs. Like, yeah. I was like, nah, that was way more, way more disturbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that game. That, that, yeah. was, a, that was a game that uh, that uh, left an impression. It <laughs> did. Sure. It did, yeah. Like, why? But um, oh my God, you know. But <laughs> like, I think in terms of mental illness, on that's on the very extreme end of it. But I feel like even though it was very extreme, it got it right because you knew going into it, it is inspired by the serial killer, Albert Fish. This is going to be about him. It's a fictional representation of what his mind was like. So you're prepared for it to be off the wall bananas, right? But what LKA has done is they tried to shoehorn one very specific, like, highly misrepresent misrepresented in in media like mental illness and then trying it all together into a nice bow with warnings that say if you are a loved one you know are you know need help call call this fucking number and it's like this is an extreme mental illness that is being portrayed and Instead of having something to say about it, it feels like it it was just being portrayed for the sake of being portrayed for shock value. Um, yeah. Oh, how funny. I did not even register. I don't even remember that the town of light was made made by the same same <laughs> same developers. Now I'm so sorry. I like Martha is dead even less. <laughs> yeah i'm can... so sorry lka but it just it well, if it becomes a pattern you know i can kind of see that yeah i can kind of see that it's it's just a 
I feel like there's two reasons why, why people do that sort of thing with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And one is, uh, they, they kind of exoticize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, like, oh, it's so foreign or, or, you know, whatever, like mental illness isn't exotic, you know, it's, it's awful, you know, like, you know, they just have this thing with it for some weird reason. Yeah. Or, or so, so they feel like, oh, they want to use it, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to write about this other country because it's mm-hmm. different and exotic. And this is what I've heard about it. And it's weird that people do that with mental illness, but they do, you know, they really yeah. do, you know. And what, what sucks is um, they also, there's, there's a phone call between Julia and her mother later on in the game. And the mother says, like in reference to her abusing her daughter as, as a child, I wasn't well back then I'm better now. Mm-hmm. And one is so heartbreaking to hear that because it's like, that's not a fucking excuse, man. Right. Um, but then also too, by that point, you start to question like, is, is Julia's reality actually reality, how we would interpret it? Or is some, is something going on, you know? And it it's my biggest fear to like lose my mind in that way or like lose my memory and to not be able to distinguish between what is real and what isn't um but there are so many other illnesses and diseases that do that like alzheimer's Uh for yeah for example um and often people get that like not trusting themselves from gaslighting. I mean, that that's often, if you're gaslit, a lot of times you don't have confidence in your own memory of situations. At yeah. All. Yeah. You know, they get, they get skewed, you know? Yeah. Um, but the other thing I was going to say is, is one, it's either fetishization of it, you know, like, like they look at it as just like a tool to use, you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, ah, you know, this is fascinating in a scientific sort of way. So I'm going to, you know, use it in my stuff, you know? And the other one is just lazy. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, I need a reason for all this happening. Uh, I know mental illness <laughs> and it's just uh, like, mental you know, illness, yay. think a little harder, you know? So it's either this weird fetishization exoticism or it's laziness in my opinion that's how you end up with those things yeah um what do we feel the case is here I kind of feel like it's a little bit of both especially given I'm um, like I pulled up my old my old review of the uh, town town of light and I'm like there's a lot of similarities between what I wrote about and like how we're feeling about oh, Martha yeah. is dead um let me see. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, so let me read this paragraph. Um, even with player choice, that mechanic doesn't completely erase the idea that Renee is schizophrenic. All, all, all the medical records you will find throughout the asylum will suggest that she is and contrasts nearly every memory that comes back to her. This leaves the, this leaves the player 
um, to decide for themselves whether or not she is imagining things or if the doctors are liars. For someone that comes into this game not knowing the history behind asylums like Volterra, this could make the narrative seem unfocused and messy. If someone knows the history, it could seem more like the narrative is is purposefully building confusion in an attempt to recreate an an individual's life in in an asylum. I kind of feel that's the same, kind of the same thing going on here. Like, like I don't see how, and also this thought just came, just came, came to me. I don't see how, uh, living basically in Nazi occupied Italy and DID have anything to do with each other. Like it could have literally just been, yeah, it could have literally just been, you know, like. That's interesting. Why did they set it? It had no, it had no bearing on the story, like whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could have yeah, just, odd. right. It could, yeah. It could have just easily been like, they're just farmers and this, this just happened. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially since they did something similar with this other game. Seems like they yeah. have some sort of preoccupation with that time period or whatever, or you never know. Yeah. They could have just been lazy and want to reuse some computer or something. Who knows? I don't know, man. <laughs> don't know. Yeah. Uh, what some some other things I say in here that I feel the same way about with a uh, Martha is dead. Um, let's see. Other than her medical history, the player knows very little about Renee. Nothing about what she was like before coming to the asylum. While she does. While this does well to express that people in these asylums were not considered people much of the time, it does a disservice to the narrative because it makes it hard for the player to emotionally connect to the protagonist. The character development is secondary to the history, making Renee the ultimate unreliable narrator and a generalized stand-in for everyone who was ever admitted to an asylum during that time. Hmm. I feel like that applies to Martha is dead. Yeah. 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 Although I will say the English voiceover on this game way better because I yeah. apparently did not like it on um, the yeah. town, the town of light. Yeah. Um, and, and just so I'm not completely like panning Martha is dead. I did like the atmosphere. I oh, did yeah, like it was gorgeous. the graphics and stuff and you know it was really nice I liked it. yeah the um, the visuals so that was good <laughs> yeah that's also what I said about the town the uh, town town of light um as well they actually like very ac- accurately recreated a real asylum basically yeah. for for this game so Oh, yeah, it's it's so weird that this is coming up for me because I remember telling you that we were doing some genealogy in my family mm-hmm. and I found out that my three times great grandmother was in an asylum. Oh, yeah. And it's so weird to kind of think about that, you know? Yeah. Um, especially with what I know about it. It was pretty awful, you know, and um, mm. people were put there for not right reasons and yeah. stuff. I mean, literally in my, in the files that they were able to find from the asylum, 
uh, it was basically like they put her in there because of turn of life, which is basically usually a term for menopause. Yeah. You know? So it's just like, it's just like whenever, now, now that I'm like listening to this and thinking about the asylum stuff and everything, it just kind of makes me, it makes me have a connection to it more because I know it really happened as someone I was related to way back when, you know? Yeah. I I mean, you kind of, you kind of know in a, in a academic sense that it was awful and you understand that. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to like have a connection to it to be like empathetic, but actually seeing records and, and photos and stuff like that, you know, it kind of, it kind of hits a little bit, a little bit deeper. And I think again, um, asylums are another thing that get used overly tropey in horror games because yeah, they were horrific and stuff like that, but it's also not like a, a fun setting to put your stuff in either. I mean, it really was horrific, you know? I mean, I'm sure we can name a lot of games that happen in like asylum or ended up in an asylum or anything, you know, especially in horror stuff, you know? And, And it's just where, you know, how do you handle those things in a way where you're acknowledging the horror of it, but you're not like Mm -hmm. just using it as a tool in your toolbox, like mental illness. Yeah. I think a really great example of that is Girl Interrupted. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously the mental illness is a constant part throughout the whole thing because it takes place in a mental hospital. Everybody there has some sort of issues but yet it's so much more than that. It's about, it's about womanhood. It's, it's about friendship. It is about love and trust, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that, that's why it works because every single person that's in that, that, that group, right. Even though, they all, their traumas are all very, very different. Their mental Ill, illnesses are all very, very different. At the core of everything, they just want to be loved and accepted. You know? It they- really showed the three-dimensionality of mental yes. illness. Yes. You're not yeah. just showing people as their mental illness. You're showing that they have thoughts and dreams and they have hopes and things they like and things they don't like. Yeah. And opinions and all of this other stuff, um, which, you know, it's true. And it goes back to what I was saying before that, you know, you're just kind of using the mental illness as the all encompassing thing about this person. And it's not. And, you know, you'll get more accurate portrayal if you actually show somebody as a three dimensional person who has a mental illness rather than a mental illness in the shape of a person. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like. LKA might have been plagued by the same issue that they had with the town, the town of light. This is a monstrous idea, right? And Mm -hmm. do it properly to have those multi dimensions. You gotta have a lot more characters in there, a lot more dialogue between everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't just be one point of view the whole time. Um, maybe they were going for that effect to purposefully confuse the reader, which 
if they had done that in a way to make it unsettling and scary and not frustrating, I could have gone along with it. Instead, it was just frustrating. <laughs> like, mm. what are you trying to get at? And then there's all this ambiguous stuff at the end. And it's like, okay, well, is she, is Martha in the asylum right now? How is she talking to us? Um, and then not to mention, like, if if she this whole time is imagining this, but she's actually walking around and all this is going on, like, Martha is deaf. She cannot hear. She has to sign to communicate. Um, the game never actually says, you know, when she became deaf, mm-hmm. but she's picking up the phone to answer it, you know, like. Like Mm -hmm. she, like she can hear, like she knows what speech, what words sound like. So that, that also took me out of it as well, because yes, Julia had to pretend to be deaf, right? But there was never any instance in the game whatsoever in which we saw her having to pretend to be deaf. Mm -hmm. Right. So that also made it like awkward. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think they might've been playing off the idea that like, if you have multiple personality, if you have dissociative identity disorder, mm-hmm. go back and correct myself, um, that it's been said that, you know, you can have one personality that's like left-handed or right-handed or mm-hmm. have all this other stuff. And I think what ended up happening is they were intrigued with that so like, oh, what if one personality was deaf and the other wasn't, but then didn't actually execute it in a way that was believable? Yeah. You know, and that's basically kind of what happened here, I think. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying people shouldn't try to, um, you know, depict mental illness, mm-hmm. because if you have mental illness, it is a part of your life. And it's something that you're going to want to, if you make art in any kind of way, you're going to want to make art about, you know, either drawing or writing yeah, or whatever it is you do for art, making games or movies or whatever. Um, so, and it's not like people who are, don't have mental illness can't do it. It's just, you got to put in the work. Yeah. You know, it's just, you got to, you got to, you got to put in the work for it. And you got to understand that your perceptions are never going to be completely correct. Yeah. And that you really have to ask yourself, is this the story for me to tell? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, I get it. It's fascinating. You know, I, I, you know, to me, mm-hmm. um, you know, read, I want to read about it. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. But am I in a place to make art about it that I'm going to like show to other people? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't have a problem if someone want, you know, someone, you know, is, is interested in a certain thing that they don't know about, whether it be a culture or mental illness yeah. or a situation, um, you know, like if someone was polyamorous and somebody heard about it, was curious about what that was like. And I have no problem. I mean, art is how we work out a lot of things, right? It's how we work out how we feel about certain things or our theories about it. And, um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, but the problem becomes is if you're trying to like sell it to somebody and make money off of it, instead of just kind of like 
doing it for yourself and and then shoving it to the side you know what I mean yeah um, it, it it you know it becomes a problem when you're trying to make money off of it you know I'm not necessarily saying nobody should ever do it but if you're going to put it out there for money you better be damn sure you know what you're doing or just sit and think about it and then you know, just do it for yourself if you have to and put it in a yeah. drawer and, and, and whatever, and hope it gave you insight, you know, absolutely. Um, perhaps, you know, um, I just, you know, it's, it's a lame thing sometimes, yeah. you know, and some people hit it. Some people are able to do it um, via um, being really empathetic, doing a lot mm-hmm. of research, talking to a lot of people, asking questions, um, stuff like that, but that's rare in my yeah. opinion. Um, you know, and everybody has their stories to tell. It's not like you need to tell somebody else's. Yeah. You know, tell yours. You no. Know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm sort of like tired of the whole video game trope of like the player is inside the psycho's head. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if, if you're trying to make a point about mental illness, right? Don't put your player inside of that person's head because mental illness is different for everybody. Everybody's experience is different. And we obviously still need to destigmatize it, but when we're still showing fucking cliched out the ass stereotypical views of mental illness in various media we're 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 not helping right right so i would much rather want to play a video game let's say it's set in the late 1800s in a mental asylum right how about we play as an orderly we are in between the patients there and the doctors, you know, and we have the doctors telling us one thing. And then we have people in the asylum who are telling us, no, I'm actually okay. My husband just put me here so he could freely have an affair with the maid, you know, and then you as the player, like have to navigate it. You have to navigate that. You have, you have to make choices, right? If you, I mean, you're not there to diagnose you're just there to dole out meds and make sure these people are are okay and you can choose to either do that or not Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean uh, I'm trying to think of the phrase you know or, Mm -hmm. or the proper words but it's like I I mean I I'll, I'll say it by saying like I had a similar kind of kind of thought process mm-hmm. when I had an idea for a book mm-hmm. that a novel that took place in feudal Japan. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like white as the beacons of Gondor here. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm gonna I had to think about it. You know, I had to think about it because yeah. I was really in love with the idea of this story. I liked the the culture of Japan and I love the movies that take place in feudal Japan, but I had to sit and really ask myself some honest questions. Like why did it have to be set there? You know, 
Yeah. Like, why was I doing that? Was I doing it because there's literally no other place it could take place? Or was it just because I wanted the aesthetic? Yeah. You know, and I had to admit to myself that there really wasn't a good reason yeah. other than I just wanted to write about it and I wanted to research about it, but I can research about it whatever without having to write about it, you know? Yeah. Like it doesn't prevent me from learning about everything that I want to learn about. You know, I yeah. don't need to write about it to learn about it or mm-hmm. be, you know, or watch movies or, you know, read books or anything like that. That's about feudal Japan. Yeah. You know? You know, and but if so, you had, if you had chose to go with it, knowing you, you'd be like, all right, definitely have to research. I need to go like get this, like get a um a a cultural edit, you know, find yeah. people who would be able to speak to speak to this. Right. Um, and and the funny part is it's not the um Japanese people that you would have to worry about. Cause when I started thinking about it and talking about it, I started to really consider the Japanese don't care. Because they're immersed in their own culture. Mm-hmm. They see movies and ads and all this stuff that's made for them. Yeah. So if some person in America in the United States writes some stuff about feudal Japan, they don't care. They have mm-hmm. enough like identity that it doesn't really affect. It's, it's, the, it's the people who are here that have Japanese heritage yeah. that are, are living here and trying to go through uh you know the united states as a, as someone who has japanese heritage in america that would be affected yeah. because that would be the perception that americans would have like the japanese yeah. know better i mean they know what their country is like they know what their history is like so if someone screws it up they know better yeah and they don't have to deal with people as much not knowing any better because they're surrounded by other japanese people mm-hmm but like, if you put out something about Japanese people or mental illness or really anything that's not accurate, people get perceptions of that, you know, which is yeah. really where the argument of like, oh, it's just a book. It's just a movie. It's just like, it, it's just a comic or it's just, you know, a cartoon or something like that. And I'm always like, you're really trying to tell me that art media the tv that we consume the movies that we consume Mm -hmm. and the books that we consume don't affect culture and don't affect how we view the things that are depicted in the movies that we have no experience with art is a representation of culture like yeah if we're if it is culture (laughs) yeah if we don't have a mental illness or we don't live in japan or we don't Mm -hmm. whatever if we don't we still fill in the blanks. It's human nature for your mind to try to fill in the blanks of things you don't know yeah, um, and stuff like that. So what are you, what are you going to base your perception off of the yeah. depictions that you see of whatever it is you're not familiar with? Yeah. That's the impression you're going to have, you know? So the, uh, so the idea that it's just a movie, it's just art or whatever, if you don't like it, just don't, yeah. you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because like art yeah. affects perception. Yeah. It and does, as as a white person growing up with a bunch of media that is targeted toward, you know, very specific white audience, my god, did I grow up with so many terrible 
racist misconceptions and it takes going out in the world and interacting with real people like and you got to do that over and over again for you to finally be like holy shit I was lied to this entire time yeah 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 I mean I come from Vermont which is like one of the whitest states ever (laughs) I actually didn't hang out with anybody who was brown or black until I was in college yeah like that's a long time to go without any interaction with someone not of your race or different than you yeah you know and and that's what happened so what were my impressions only what I saw on tv and movies I didn't actually know what black people were like yeah you know and you know I mean it's the what it's yeah. So it's important. It's important. The, the way we represent things in media is important. Yeah. It just is. And, um, you know, well, I can get, you know, it's just sometimes with this stuff, it feels like they're going for the, the shock, you know? Yeah. Rather than the true horror of it, you know? You don't have to have, you know, dissociative identity disorder and cut off faces, and gore, and, like, weird masturbation stuff going oh, on. Oh, yeah. For it to be, like, horrifying, you know? Yeah. Like, like what, what are you trying to tell us to be scared of? Like, yeah. Think I, about it. What is Martha in, is dead? What is the horror? Yeah. What is it? What, what are they trying to get? What are they using to try to get horror from you? Yeah. Is it, is it the horror of the way the child was treated? I don't is even think that. Is it the horror of the things that are they're doing? Is it the horror of how society handles it in terms of like the asylum and stuff? Mm-hmm. What, what in the end is the game yeah. trying to tell us is the horror? Great question to pose to everybody. And I have an answer to that. It is none of that. (laughs) Okay. I don't think the game does any of that. I think it, like, if that was the intent of it, I think uh, it definitely missed Mark. I think the whole thing was, ooh, ooh, ooh. Like, it, it comes across as, let's use disassociative identity disorder to confuse the fuck out of the player. Yeah, it's it, but it it's like have no. It, yeah, it doesn't have a purpose, right? Yeah. I mean, because when you get stuff that doesn't make sense like that, it's like without a purpose. They're just throwing yeah. things in that'll shock. Mental illness is not a plot device, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, like like <laughs> gore or like some random rape scene or like you know they throw things in that they think mm-hmm. are going to be shocking, and they mix shock with horror. They mix shock with, because in my opinion, and everyone has different opinions of what horror is in the essence, and everyone's different definition is going to be horrified by different things. Mm -hmm. But in the end, you have to ask yourself what, what is horrifying about this and have a purpose, like have some substantial behind it, you know? Yeah. Not just like I'm throwing this in there to be shocking or a plot twist or whatever, but like the per- it has this purpose underneath yeah. it. It has a reason for being there. 
that horror because yeah. that reason is what's going to make us horrified. In my opinion, that's always what works for me. Yeah. You know, and it's not like I don't enjoy like really campy, ridiculous horror movies that are just for gore and stuff. Yeah. But they're not trying to sell me a message. They're not trying to tell me that um, they're not trying to posit it as we're trying to present something about this serious topic. They're presenting yeah. it as it's blood, it's ridiculous, it's campy. Yeah. Whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, if you're going to do that, you got to make sure, if you're going to try to have a purpose to it or a message or something like that or deal with a serious issue in terms of horror, you got you to gotta be able to like hit the mark on it. You got to be able to know why you're doing it that way and not just using it as a veneer to do shock stuff. Yeah. To get a reaction. Yeah. I mean, you know? I kind of, I yeah, exactly. I kind of liken all that. And like, I, I don't know how familiar you are with like um, Jalo films, um, but this game felt very much like, like visual, like Jalo. But if you watch any of his films, uh, if you, if, if you're like me, you're going, what the fuck's going on? Okay. <laughs> why why yeah. why <laughs> so yeah, me, I, me I, and Jalo don't mix <laughs> yeah yeah and, and everyone has different opinions people can take something from it but I think it goes down to um sincerity and your intent yeah. and purpose and a whole bunch of other things you know um I I did a writing workshop and I had my teacher um one of my teachers was Jack Ketchum and he came and lectured for us um Mm -hmm. rest in peace rest in peace yeah and one thing he said was he read one of my stories Mm -hmm. and he said why do you have this in here and I said I, you know, and I, I don't even remember what I said at the time, but it was yeah. something not really that bright. <laughs> and he basically said, he said, look, if it's not scaring you, it's not going to scare the reader. You know? Yeah. Don't just play with something that doesn't elicit that reaction from you because it comes off as fake. Yeah. And it can sometimes come off as you as making fun of people who are scared of that thing. Mm. right? Because you're not taking it seriously. You know, it doesn't scare you. Yeah. So you don't understand. It's one of those things where like bravery is not doing something you're not scared of. Yeah. Bravery is being scared of it and doing it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And it kind of comes down to that. And, and sometimes if it's really bad, it does come off as condescension or making fun or mocking. Because mm-hmm. it, because you're not, in, you're disassociated from it. It doesn't have anything to do with you. You just want to use it as a tool. And so that's how it comes across. You're, you're, you know, the person who's reading it that has that actual thing or is a part of that group or whatever realizes that they're just a tool. It's dehumanizing. In the yeah. End. It's really dehumanizing. 
and that was more in depth than I meant to get, but you know, no, clear. I mean, clearly, yeah, like Jack left you with something really, really good to think about. And, you know, even though he's no longer here with us, you are now passing on his words of wisdom too through this medium. And (laughs) now I get to hear them too. And I feel very, very grateful. So, yeah. Yeah. And after that, I did start to write about things that actually scared me and it was hard, Mm -hmm. you know, like, writing something that has some substance takes substance from yourself. It takes a part of yourself and it takes analyzing parts of yourself and putting it on the page. If it's going to feel real, if it's going to feel raw and that's hard. And and that's, and it's not just the reason. And it's one of the reasons why writers and artists and things get upset when people kind of dismiss it like oh yeah I'm gonna write a book whenever I retire haha you know whenever I have some time or something like that and make it feel like it's it's easy because the part that's hard is not the writing it down it's all of the stuff you have to tear into into your mind to make it real and the things that you have to face to make it feel real and put it on the page mm-hmm it's scary like if you are legitimately doing that like well first of all and this is just coming from my point of view because I'm trying to do this with a text-based game at the moment (laughs) that explores some uh that basically explores what it means you know to be in your um late 20s to 30s you know around that point of your life and have to prepare for the death of a parent and the aftermath of it. So I've been trying, I've been slowly chipping away at this thing, trying to plot it out, but it's hard because it is making me confront stuff about my dad's death that I haven't really like dealt with yet. But the stuff that is coming up and what I'm writing about is stuff that I've already, you know, the thoughts and shit that have gone through, through my mind you know, and it's really fucking emotional. Um, I am writing this other story right now that deals with, you know, memory lapses and gaslighting and things and things like that, you know, and having lived through that myself for years in a horrible relationship, like, oh, it's hard. It's scary. And also, you know, at the same time, got to make it engaging and entertaining and, you know, with all sorts of nice imagery for, for the reader too, you know, it, writing's fucking hard. Um, and especially hard. if you have a writing related disability, like I do, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just like, oh you my know, God. You, you learn <laughs> things about yourself when you start being honest about what you're writing about and start delving into like the true well of your creativity and what you want to come out onto the page. Yeah. It's really, I mean, in that same thing, when I started writing differently than I did, Mm -hmm. um, my, the, 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 a lot of critique I got was very interesting in that I got somebody who said, you write a lot of, you know, an interesting theme running your running through your stuff is the theme of somebody needing something from somebody else. 
Hmm. And it made me think a lot about why that was. When I started writing from a real place, I realized that that was a part of my life, that a lot of my life, I had been looking for things from somebody else, no matter who it was, friends, you know, mm-hmm. relationships, family members, whoever it was that I was, I was trying to seek things from somebody else that I wasn't getting or that it hurt me. Yeah. And that's a weird thing to realize, you know, but it's the sort of thing that happens when you start trying to write through a real place. Yeah. And that's hard. It's hard. It takes so much out of you. And it takes, it takes guts. I'm not saying I'm the bravest person in the world, but it takes guts to put yourself out there. Yeah. Like that and, and, and rub yourself raw. So you can, and in the end, you know, you got to think about it like this. Why, why do we do that? Right. You know, yeah. people will ask, you know, well, why do you write about such things, especially like horror writers? Yeah. You know? <laughs> especially us. Especially <laughs> us. And the answer, the answer really is because one, it's how it's how we face ourselves. It's a little bit of getting it out on the page so that it's not in your head anymore. Mm-hmm. And the other part is maybe there's someone else who's feeling the same thing. Yeah. Maybe there's someone else out there who's feeling the same thing and not wanting to be alone. Yeah. You know, and I told this story when we did our favorite horror media. Oh. And I talked about, yeah, I'm sure I've talked about it at some point in the episodes that we've done. Yeah. Cause there's like 40 something now. Holy uh, crap. This is, 40, <laughs> this is 45. Yeah. That one of the reasons that I latched on to Stephen King so much when I read Carrie was the fact that I, I recognized an experience in that book that, that reflected what I was feeling and what I knew to be true in the world and made me feel like I wasn't alone, that I wasn't, well, what happened was, mm-hmm. was I was pretty sick as a kid, you yeah. know? And I, I mean, if somebody is, if I heard this story before you guys can, can skip it, but um, in other podcasts, but the brief of it is, is that I was sick a lot as a kid. So I read, and when you're sick, a lot of times people talk down to you or over you or not at you. They mm-hmm. talk around you. And for a kid, you pick up on that because kids are smart in that way. And you can tell, you can tell that something's going on and that something's not good, but people don't want to talk about it with you. Yeah. They they would rather try to pretend that things are not as bad as they are Mm -hmm. or everything's going to be okay. But the thing is, is you're still anxious about it because you know, but you have no one to vent that with because everyone you talk to tries to act sunny about it and they don't want to deal with all, all that stuff that comes up when you're dealing with something real. And in Carrie, that same sort of thing happened, right? Yeah. Like that book to me acknowledged that, you know, adults don't know everything. And sometimes growing up can be shit. Yeah. Like, and you're not making that up. You know, if you're having a bad time when you're a teenager or when you're in elementary school, Mm -hmm. you're not making it up. It's rough. 
Yeah. And that's what I felt like, because everyone told me like, oh, you know, these days are like the best of your life and you're young and you have all this stuff and you're saying they're going, well, then why am I miserable? Yeah. Like, why am I, why am I sick? Why am I being bullied? Why is yeah. all this stuff happening to me? If this is like the best time of my life, you know? Yeah. But that book really taught me that like, no, I wasn't making that up. Like sometimes your life at that age is shit. Yeah. And that resonated with me. It, it was finally an author that wasn't talking down to me and, and mm-hmm. trying to make it feel like everything was okay or whatever. And yeah. so I will always forever respect Stephen King for that, you know? And yeah. did anybody who read Carrie take the same thing out of it? No, of course not, because they didn't have my experience, but yeah, it did for me. And if something yeah. I write, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of artists, and if something I write does that for just one person, worth it. Game changer. Yeah. Worth it. So absolutely. I think that's anyway. a beautiful <laughs> thing to close on. And I think you got to the heart of, you know, why we all write. And I think anybody who chooses to write any kind of sub subject matter, but especially dealing with mental illness to treat it with respect yeah yeah it's always funny how we start like really trying to talk about the media but we end up talking about what it makes us think about you know yeah I think I think we we tend to do that a lot with media that we don't like as much (laughs) you know know? I think I think (laughs) because then it gets us on on I I think you found our pattern Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but anyways, um, tell us what we're gonna do next time, Danny. And um, we may we may actually like it. So uh, we are doing Nightmare Alley, the 2021 movie by Guillermo del Toro, which oh. I like Guillermo del Toro movies. Guillermo del Toro, yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, um, The Shape of Water, uh yeah. You know, even, even the Hellboy he did. Yeah. Know? I think he I did mean, the Hellboy or did he do Blade or something like that? Even that. I don't whatever, know. Whatever he, one he did, whatever franchise movie he did. His stuff is just great. We're going to walk away having lots of cool things to it's, say it's about very, it. So. It's very distinctive. Like mm-hmm. you look at it and you're like, this feels like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. You know? And like, what's her face is in it? Kate Blanchett is in it. Quite, why am I bla- uh hereditary little miss sunshine oh, Tony Collette Tony Collette our favorite gal Tony Collette is in it so she always puts in the work so I'm excited yeah. to see I mean she's impressive like Tony Collette you see it you're like this is going to be a classy performance if nothing yeah. else I mean anything from like from like when she was in Knives Out to hereditary yeah. to I mean anything she's been in you're just like um I've been thinking of ending things yeah we did we did that too right you know even though she didn't have like the huge I mean anything she's she she just does a lot of different stuff and she's always fantastic and I don't know where she pulls it from but I love to watch it so I am excited to watch this and see what we can get out of it hell yeah yeah so this is a Tony Collette Stan pod podcast yes yeah (laughs) anyways for sure for sure. Um, so 
Um, let us know what you think. I mean, have you played this game? What do you think about mental illness depictions in media? Uh, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at the box underscore podcast um, and shout out at us, reply to us, let us know what you're thinking. And our then DMs I, are open, just not for our dick DMs pics. are open. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a crapshoot whether you get me or Joanna. So I know, right? <laughs> I'll be prepared for that. Um, and then listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, or wherever you're listening to it now. But we want to let you know there's multiple options. Um, and with that, always remember to shake the box before you open it. <laughs>